everybody. Welcome to New Hope Underground. I am your host for today, uh, Lead Pastor Tyler Sturkey. And so kind of continuing on through our Ephesians series as we're giving these supplemental podcasts uh, going along with the series we're doing called uh, Ephesians in Christ. And so anyway, really excited to be joining uh, with you here today. And so uh, we actually have a special guest with us here today, uh, as per usual. And our my special guest today is Antonio Munoz. Let's give a round of applause. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> so I could introduce you, but I will let you kind of introduce yourself. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, excited to be here today. Uh, talk a little bit more about Ephesians. Yeah. Uh, I am... Um, I'm 23 years old. I have grown up here in Effingham, basically. My family and I were originally from Honduras. And uh, For those of you, sorry to interrupt real quick. For those of you who don't know, you probably know. I mean, you've seen him lead worship. Some of you may have seen him lead worship uh, here at New Hope Effingham, but he is on staff with us. He's actually uh, the worship worship leader, uh, youth leader up at our Shelbyville campus. Uh, so you probably heard of him one way or another, but just in case someone's listening and didn't know who it was, it wasn't self-evident who Antonio yes. was. So he's a staffer. He's on the team. Yes, um, but we're 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 repping repping New Hope Shelbyville today. Yeah, big shout out to Shelbyville, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of that was that was part of the story. Honestly, was uh, just when we left Honduras. You know, that's where I was born, and uh, actually moved to the United States and uh, moved to Effingham when I was about in second grade, and just that's where I've lived most of my life. You know, and, and got plugged into New Hope when I was a youth myself. That's right, uh, back yeah. Junior high, high school. And You're a product of our vision, right? Which is so cool. It is. It's honestly a really, really cool God story. Just through the relationships and staying connected with a lot of you guys, even as I went off to college and pursued what I felt like God was calling me towards. Uh, never imagined that I would end up back, you know, in the church that. I grew so much in, but yeah, now I get to, um, I have the honor and privilege to do the same thing and just kind of talk about Jesus with junior hires and high schoolers. And, yeah. And, and I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, that, that, that age was when my life was changed for yeah. Jesus. So, uh, man, it's just important work you're doing a uh, new mission field up in the Shelbyville area. Excited to see what God is doing up there and what, how God is using you in so many different ways. So yeah, you are uh, joining us today on the podcast. As, uh, as I said before, we uh, this is a kind of a supplemental podcast we've been doing uh, every week as we've been going in this 11-week series. It's crazy. Uh, we're probably close to halfway through, I think. Uh, halfway through the series we're doing in Ephesians, 11 weeks. And so basically every week we are dropping kind of a supplemental episode where we're kind of talking about, you know, just every text we look at, you're not able to grab everything that's in the text because, man, God's word is so deep. Uh, we're not raking with rakes. We're, we're digging with shovels on this. We're wanting to, to mine the depths. And so this is an opportunity uh, for us to do this each week and then just bring in people from our New Hope community, some who are volunteers and leaders, some who are just a part of our community and we just think they're cool and want people to meet them. And so, uh, anyway, so excited to have you on and excited to get into the text. So definitely, uh, today we are studying in, uh, starting in chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, I think it's one through 16. Yes. One through 16 is what uh, we're going to be looking at. Yeah. And, and so Ephesians having six chapters, I think you're right on the money that we're about halfway through. We yeah. already finished chapters one through three. So Let's keep going. It's a little bit of a, and this is kind of a turning point in some ways, and I can talk talk about that a little bit more, but Jonathan talked about this last week in his message that the first kind of half of the book, Paul's very much 
talking theoretically. He's talking about the the message of the gospel, the theology behind it, and what the cross actually means. Mm. And then starting here at the beginning of chapter four and for the rest of the series, begins to almost focus a little more heavily on application mm. of like, this is when you begin to apply the gospel to these different areas of your life. You can't help but be changed by it and have different parts of your life affected by it. And so, anyway, so that's what we're going to be getting into. Uh, I guess I'll, we, we practice the SOMA method in each of these episodes. And so um, that's uh, an acronym for scripture, observation, meaning, and application. So we read the scripture, just observe different things, things that kind of stick out, certain words or phrases that seem louder than others for yeah. whatever reason by the guidance of the Spirit. Yeah. Discuss its meaning. You know, not necessarily what does it mean to me, at least not we don't start there. Right. We instead ask, what did it mean? Like, mm-hmm. what, it, what would it have meant to the author and the original audience? And therefore, what does it mean to us? Yeah. And then we say, so what does that mean for our lives? Are there invitations to accept uh, commandments we need to obey? Um, like, what is our response to the word of God? And so that's kind of the general process we've been using. It's a scripture method anybody can use anytime they study the scripture. So it's not just for the professionals, as we'll talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I will go ahead and read the text for us, and then we can start making some observations. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay, so Ephesians uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended means except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together in every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. That's awesome. So I would, uh, since you're our guest, I will let you take the lead. And are there any particular observations, words, phrases, sentences that stuck out uh, Mm. as significant or loud to you that uh, you noticed and uh, maybe God spoke to you through? Yeah, absolutely. Man, I mean, I think you described it well whenever you said, like, you know, we're not raking, we're we're digging with that shovel. Like, there, <laughs> even just in these 16 verses, there are so, there's so many different um, concepts and ideas that are so exciting to flesh out, I think. And um, just kind of wanting to, even thinking back through, like, the context that we've already had of the last three uh, chapters, um, 
up until this point, you know, I think Paul has definitely been emphasizing heavily the unity found in Christ. Um, and I think given that historical and cultural context that we have been over these last couple of weeks through the different sermons and things like that, um, just the way that I think Darren talked about, you know, the mystery of the gospel um, being revealed that, you know, it's not just a gospel for the Jews anymore. Yeah. It's, it's for the Gentiles. It's for everyone who would hear the word of God. Yeah, like the end of chapter two is talking about that wall of hostility yes. being torn down. Right. Like that that makes uh, unity not just a, come on guys, let's, you know, let's get along. Let's just figure this out together. It's like, no, this was like blood bought. Mm-hmm. You have been brought together into one body and one family, mm-hmm. and it cost God something to do it. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, we've been challenged in, in multiple ways over the last couple of weeks to start to think through, man, I mean, back then it was like Jews, Gentiles, you know, Samaritans, and, and all these different uh, racial divisional things and socioeconomic things, you know, the poor versus the rich and the sick versus the healthy, just lots of different yeah. things. And even just to look at that in our world today, like what are those dividing walls of hostility? You know, we've talked yeah. about that before. And so I think starting into this chapter four, knowing that it's talking about the unity in the body of Christ, I think that's important to know that it's uh, it's a reminder that once you have been brought into that unity, once you have been brought into that body of Christ, um, by accepting Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you know, you are now part of a body that is united, um, even in its all of its diversity. And I think that that's the beautiful part of it. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, I think. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, even just diving in specifically, let's look at the first couple of verses here. It's saying that Paul, again, acknowledging that he's currently a prisoner mm. um, as he's writing this. Yeah. Uh, I think it's so interesting to have that reminder like hey i'm a prisoner right now but i am even so i'm urging you and that word urge you know just it's it's a it's a weighty matter it's not something that this is just by the way if you find a chance you should do this it's like a strive in everything that you can with all that you are to to do this and he says to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called so i think of the word walk and that's an active verb, you know, yeah. that you can almost have a mental image of mm. of that action of like you're moving forward, you're moving towards something. But then the list that he follows that up with, he says, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity, peace. These are all characteristics, you know, he, he's not so much laying out a list of actions for us to do, yeah. but more things that we should strive to be like being gentle, being humble, being patient. Um, and so just kind of bonding those two thoughts of what am I actively called to do? What is that calling that God has placed on my life? Well, it's, it's to be more like Christ, specifically when, I, when it comes to, you know, walking in unity with my brothers and sisters. And that's going to take yeah. gentleness and peace and humility. We're not always going to get yeah. along in everything. So it's, it's almost like Paul in some ways is saying, I mean, not that it doesn't matter what you're doing, That does, and we'll get more into that even later into the text. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it matters less what you're doing, but how you do it. Mm. Like that idea of walking, which he does, I mean, later in this chapter and later in the text beyond. So it's not that commands and active things are not going to be talked about, but it's like he's laying this foundation and saying this of saying, Anything you do, it needs to have this foundation of humility and gentleness, forbearance, where I'm willing, because I talked about a few weeks ago that idea of forgiveness, and I think it was in the 
maybe the Fences series we did, mm. where I was talking about forbearance and forgiveness, these two things that interplay with each other, that it's like, I bear with other people. We all have our little weird things that we do, and we bear with each other. And mm-hmm. have, at some point, you can't bear any longer, and then you get mad or you offend or insult or something, and then you realize... Now there needs to be forgiveness yeah. or they keep doing it enough that I can't bear with it and that now it offends me or it has hurt me. And so now I need to forgive them that it's like Paul is saying that's the foundation for unity within the body. So it's not about everybody get your stuff together. So you're all on the same page and think the same way and act the same way and whatever. But instead you're Jews, you're Gentiles, slave free, male, f- female. I mean, he names all of the, all these different categories Y'all are going to be different from each other. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. Yeah. You don't even probably, some of you won't even really speak the same language. Like you may find a language that's like some common ground, but you may not, all of you speak it that well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got to be understanding. You got to give each other the benefit of the doubt or otherwise you're going to um, sin against each other essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And man, I'm definitely going to touch on that a little later. You even mentioned like language. And I mean, I, mean, I think of like, culture and just the fact that like the church is a global church it spans not only space just you know being in different countries and things like that but it spans time too yeah and when we talk about the church and we've talked about this a couple times but just that means that it's the unity of the saints that came before us and us currently living and and also all the people that are going to join god's kingdom after us too um and just the different cultures that not only amongst different countries and nations and ethnicities but time periods too Mm, (laughs) just the different ways and which we have a beautiful opportunity to see that in the current church body even as we talk about generational worship you know when you look on a sunday morning and you see that row of junior high kids in the front you know and then right behind them are you know grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads and just all the demographic of christ's body represented um, there's obviously going to be some discrepancies in how we yeah, view oh, the sure. world and, and things like that. Um, even thinking about, you know, these next couple of verses, um, you know, being called into one body, one spirit, looking at verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father, the way that Paul is uh, laying this out, um, it just, it reminds me a lot of just the different things that we, even across our denominations within the Christian faith, we might have some differences, but he's calling us to that unity of, guys, keep the main thing the main thing and understand yeah. and realize that you have so much more that unifies you than that divides you. Well, yeah, we were kind of talking about this right before, which this always happens any you know anytime we do podcasts like this or when I've had other guests on uh we start talking ahead of time. Right. <laughs> and then inevitably I, or usually the other person like you, you start saying things and I'm like, Ooh, that's good. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, don't say that. Right. Save it for the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but something we were talking about, cause I, you know, we were just kind of talking about some of these things and that phrase about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord and father of all of thinking about, man, all the denominations and differences between them. And sometimes depending on your experience Mm -hmm. with a particular one, if you grew up in a certain tradition and now you're in a different one, yeah. which we have people like that who end up attending here that they come from sometimes a vastly different church tradition. Yeah. And there can be a bit of animosity or vitriol toward that other tradition. And some of it may because I've not honestly, not even the tradition itself, but unfortunately people in it. Yeah. And that's people hurt people. And Mm -hmm. and that can be the way it is, but it can blink its statement to the tradition. But it's funny in the study of denominations and the differences between them. uh, 
and again, not that doctrine or theology doesn't matter or anything like that, but I mean, gosh, the differences between denominations is really only accounting for like five to 10% of our beliefs, right? Like 90% of what we believe is on the same page, Yeah. but we just, man, we just really laser focus in on that like five to 10% difference. But like when you look at that, Paul's reminding like you have the same Lord, you have the one faith in Christ, that Mm -hmm. one baptism that think about the confession you made when you're baptized baptized of renouncing your sin and turning to Christ and dying to the old self and coming alive to the new. And this is language that's going to be used. I mean, literally later in the same chapter, Paul's going to use that same language. It's, you know, it's baptismal imagery. Um, but he's saying all of you shared in that. Mm. It doesn't even matter like what the tradition is, whether you're, you know, Orthodox or Catholic or Pentecostal or whatever. Like there's there's so much of that in the same Venn diagram where there's just a an overlapping between them. And so it's like Paul saying, focus on that stuff. Yeah, that's the stuff that matters. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah, definitely, man. I love that. Uh, jumping down a little bit further into this chapter, verse eleven, where he starts to talk about how he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I know that's something that, you know, we I'm particularly passionate about because I think, I mean, even just talking, you know, two people on church staff, you and I right yeah. here right now, um, I think it, it can be a, an important um, reminder that God's called uh, church leadership uh, to equip the body yeah. for that ministry. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of times we can fall into this rut of, which I think a lot of it comes back to our culture in America, that, um, that consumer culture of, you know, like what, uh, you know, I'm showing up, what can you provide for me? Yeah. And it's almost that thought yeah. of like, you know, um, leave it to the professionals. Like they yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't want to get involved because I might mess something up. And it's like, you know, having that conversation of like, man, there's so much, potential and so much excitement to think of what God is going to do through the body of Christ. And that includes everyone. You yeah. know, the body is not just church leadership. It's it's all the believers um, because the Bible has made it very clear that God has called you for that specific purpose and he's given you those spiritual gifts. Yeah. And so now he's set people above you to mentor you into that um, equipping, uh, giving you the tools to live out confidently those gifts that he's given you and, and to do that ministry. Because, you know, if it was just up to church leaders, you know, we would not reach half of the world that God yeah. wants us to, half of the people. Our circles are so small as it is. And God knows, you know, that through the body of Christ, there's going to be so much more reach for the kingdom. Um, if people are willing to have that mindset of yeah. I'm being equipped so that I can go out on mission, not so that I can bring other people here so that they can hear from the people who actually are going to the professionals who do you yeah. know, the squeaky clean, perfect performance <laughs> type of thing. No, that I, right. that, yeah, I love, I mean all the language around here that he uses there, which something that just like really stuck with me is like, even in verse seven, it was talking about how, but to each one of us, grace has been a given. Mm. And it's funny because we don't always see it because of like the the language used there that we miss is because it's translated into different words in English is like the word that's used there for grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's ca- like charis. Okay. Oh, charis yeah. is okay. the Greek word, but like charism is gift. Mm. And it's like, there's like multiple words that are used like around grace and gift and different things like that, that they're all 
uh, versions of the same Greek word. Mm-hmm. And like we, we don't realize how connected they are to each other, but they're all the same root word. Because like I think sometimes it's like I forget that the spiritual gifts in my life are grace. Yeah, <laughs> things that, that we it's did not, not like. Well, my natural talents that I'm like, well, I'm a smart guy, and so I make a good teacher, and so I went to school and learned how to teach. It's like no, like there is a strong. I mean, even though there may be some some of that is true, is God does you give us natural talents, but I realize that the ability to c- convey the word of God or teach the word of God in a way that it connects with someone's heart and they may not have ears to hear, eyes to see, or heart to understand, and God opens that up for that to happen, and I'm able to take complicated ideas and connect it in a way that they understand, that's grace. Absolutely. Yeah. And that that's like... That's humbling to me thinking that right now because in my flesh, it's like sometimes you preach a message and you're like, knock that one out of the park. <laughs> but of course, I feel like God is good at humbling where right. I think that and there no seems to be like no one says anything. There's no response. And then there's other ones like, boy, I had no idea. I felt like I was rambling. I was all over the place. And like I was just very aware of my dependence on God on a Sunday like that. Yeah. And then people are like, that was the best message I've ever heard. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Yes. But it's like, and that just shows it's grace. Absolutely. Man, it's grace. Like everything we do, whether we show mercy, whether we administrate. I mean, you talk about the different, the lists of gifts, which each of the lists in different texts are slightly different. Right. Um, but of saying those are all, they're all, for, you know, the word that's used there is all forms of grace. Mm. And so it's like, that really is God at work in us. It's the one spirit at work within us. Yeah. And that's like, that's good for us to be reminded of. Yeah, absolutely. So that we don't like, because it's easy to be like, well, I operate in this gift, so I'm super spiritual and you're not. Right. Type of thing, or I'm more spiritual than you. Right. Yeah. When it's like, dude, at the end of the day, it's all grace. It has nothing to do with what you've done or not done. Yeah, definitely. And even connecting that conversation to this continued theme of unity you know and I think um, a lot of times we can think of unity and and have that concept of like oh that means that we all have to be like uniform and like unity doesn't necessarily mean uniform because I think God intentionally is inviting a diversity of people both in both in their background and in their experiences in their culture and in their ethnicity in in what they've experienced in life in their giftings, because he is glorified in that unity and diversity, you know, just kind of like we're, we've been using this body of Christ analogy, yeah. which, you know, to a certain extent, like Paul is, I mean, we, I think we talked about this, Paul is kind of like both using it as a metaphor, but also not really, because he's just saying yeah. like, we are the body. Yeah, like he's not saying you're like the body. No, he says you are the body exactly. of Christ. <laughs> and just like a body has many different parts that serve different functions and are better Mm. at some things than others. That is the same for, you know, us, the, the believers that make up that body. Not everyone is going to be God's mouthpiece. Not everyone is going to have that gifting of sharing and and teaching, but they might have, you know, that gift of discernment where with their eyes or with their heart, they're really um, attuned to what certain people are thinking are going through are feeling yeah. and might be able to speak a word of encouragement or, you know, the list goes on and on about the different spiritual gifts that are out there and, yeah. and how they can be used. But I think it's just a, an encouraging reminder to know that, um, when you are part of the family of Christ, his intention is for all of us to build each other up so that we can be a strong, a strong place that continues to go forth and invite more people into that community. Um, I mean, even thinking about that language that he uses in verses 13 through 15, um, 
I think that's very relatable um, in this passage. He he says, um, verse 13, we're being built up in unity until we t- t- all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who come on now. So that we may no longer be children tossed mm. by to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head. And I just love that that um children like that that verbiage that well it's like there's two there's like two two images that he uses there one is of waves uh-huh. like water tossing you around which if you've been which you you lived down south for a while right <laughs> uh, so you you were where, where was that yeah, new orleans new orleans yeah. that's right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's like you know you've you've been to the ocean before you've experienced that before where it's like right. man it can the riptide and different things like that can, I mean, be deadly, can oh, be yeah. dangerous. Yep. It'll shove your face into sand for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, there's that image of like the water tossing you around. Like if you've ever been caught in some big waves, it can be fun, but it can get dangerous real quick. But then also this idea of like the wind tossing you. Like if, of course you're in tornado alley now, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not down by the ocean. You're in the Midwest. Right. Gotta love it. <laughs> where it's like, man, there's can be storms where I'm like, I about got blown sideways. Yes. Yeah. Like that. And that's just the way it is. Like, you know, a storm's going to be bad when that happens, when it like sends a pencil through a, <laughs> a telephone pole or something like that. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm even very sensitive towards like, I'm, I'm honestly not that far away from, you know, childhood. <laughs> I'm only a couple of years removed from that. He's just a little guy. Yeah. Note for the audio. He's right. just he's just a little guy. Just a little wee baby. <laughs> no, but truly I I really appreciated that that thought of um being like children because this image that Paul is using of us growing up into Christ and he uses the term maturity mm. and he uses I mean, I think your translation said infant and mine said yeah. children. Yeah. But just that thought of if we view uh, salvation and being brought into the family of Christ as a new birth, mm. it just naturally makes sense that that means that you're also going to have a new journey of childhood and, and, and into adulthood. Like you are maturing spiritually yeah, as, oh, sure. as, a, as a new person. And so he's saying that. That's pa- where that's like the term baby Christian comes from. Like, oh, yes. oh she's just a baby Christian. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, definitely for, for our brothers and sisters that are newer to the faith, some of these um, mysteries of Christ, like can you know, like like what we've been talking about, it takes being able to depend on and lean into that body of Christ, into that unity, to be able to grow and mature. I think yeah. to build each other up, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual walk. Well, it's like Jonathan talked about the, you know, it was in that prayer at the end of chapter three, talking about you know attaining to the fullness of God. And it's like, man, what would that be? Look, what would that look like? But it's like here. And I think that's kind of where what you were pointing at and going to is that, I mean, he's mentioning this here and saying that doesn't happen individually. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not like, well, I have attained the fullness of God, Antonio. <laughs> right. But you have not. But you yet. have not. But you have not yet. Right. Because <laughs> you're just a tiny little baby. <laughs> but it's like, no, we attain the fullness of God together. Yes. Like, which I mean, it's like it shows like when I'm walking in my early steps in Christ, um, I need a body surround. I mean, it's not just when early in my faith. It's really any time in my faith because I, I can fail even far into my relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. um, miss things, not understand things, but to always have a body surrounding me to catch me when I fall, to encourage me that, 
my gifts and your gifts work together and there's a synergy there mm. where we're, man, we experience God together in a way differently than we do individually. Um, there's something, there's something to that. I don't even know if I have that like fully fleshed out of my mind, oh, yeah. but there's something powerful to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to, to grow and be challenged to grow when you're doing so in isolation, you know, yeah. when, when you're not present with other people that you can kind of, you know, ask questions to and, and say, you know, kind of like a big brother, big sister to yeah. little sibling kind of thing where, you know, if you're, if you've not experienced something yet, being able to walk up to a fellow brother or sister in Christ and say like, Hey, I know you recently went through this kind of season in your life where, and that's kind of what I'm experiencing now. Like, you know, how did God lead you? And like, what did you see? And, and how can I learn from that, you know, and, yeah. and grow into that maturity? I think, I mean, Paul ends this section well whenever he says that, you know, we are being joined, being equipped, where each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, mm. you know. And I think that's part of, that's one of the reasons that he gives for the importance for that unity is that we are building ourselves up in that love. Yeah. Um, but just to even even to keep talking about that love, one thing that I really wanted to zero in on, probably the last thing I'll talk about, just because I'm so passionate about that, is yeah. is this uh, verse six uh, verse fifteen where he says, "Rather speaking the truth in love, mm-hmm. we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ." Yeah, and I just that concept of speaking truth in love it's one that's a daunting task in today's society. You know, cancel culture is so real. Because it, it, it's one or the other. Oh, absolutely. Either I speak the truth, and this is the joke that I've always heard, and I've used it many times before, where I said there's a difference between the anointing and the anointing. <laughs> <laughs> where some people, they think that they think it's the anointing of God, but it's just their abrasive personality. Yeah. <laughs> where they think, like, I'm speaking truth, you know. But it's like, no, you're just being abrasive. Yeah. Like there's, because, uh, uh, in fact, a, a question that I've heard around that, which, I mean, it kind of touches on this idea of speaking the truth in love, is, uh, is it true, is it necessary, and is it kind? Mm-hmm. Oh. All three have to be present. Mm, that's good. That if you miss even one, it, it, you can miss stuff. That if it's true and it's necessary, but it's not kind, the, the person doesn't hear you. Right. Because right. They're, they're, they, you can actually offend a person to the point that they just, their defenses rise up. And because the wall's there, they can't see what you're showing them. Yeah. yeah. And if the goal is to love them by exposing them to the truth, then you got to do so in a way that they're willing to listen. You know, it reminds me of that. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago in this very series, it might have been one of your sermons, I think, that we kind of talked about the phrase, that we need to care more about being righteous than being right. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times when we talk about speaking truth in love, you know, the in love part kind of has this um, notion that we're compromising truth. We have to, we have to compromise or, or be tolerant or lenient or like dumb it down a little bit, uh, water it down to the point where it's like, it still seems loving. It still seems within the scope of what people can grasp. And it's like, no, we know that what we're going to be presenting are ideas and concepts and ways of life that are starkly in contrast yeah. with what the world says is beneficial and is good and yeah, is there's right. Yeah, a, a counterculture yes. to that in some ways, like exactly. the culture of the kingdom. Exactly, but even as we talk about kind of what we were saying at the beginning, how we go about doing that, and we just look at the beginning of that passage again where it says that we've been called to all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, 
as you're sharing that truth, like having those characteristics at the forefront of your mind, you know, gently speaking that word, having patience when people maybe aren't ready to hear that yet, but not giving up on them, you know? That's what you just said, that last phrase, not giving up on them, because literally the thought that was just in my mind was I thought about what Jesus said in Matthew 23, and this is a critique of the Pharisees, which I mean, Jesus said about the Pharisees, he said, you should do everything that they say, but do not do what they do, for mm. they do not practice what they preach. Mm. So he's it's, again, it's not that they weren't speaking truth, right. because it was the, it was the law. I right. mean, it was the scriptures. But one of the critiques he gives in the seven woes in Matthew twenty three is he says uh, that they tie up heavy loads on men's backs and then refuse to lift a finger to help them. Mm. And I'm like, I think that's the difference, absolutely, because we think it's one or the other. Either I blast you with the truth, the hammer of truth, <laughs> and then walk away and say, oh, you got to deal with it, accept it or not. Right. Or we're a namby-pamby where we're like, you know, well, I don't want to offend anybody, so I won't say anything. Right. And it's like, and that's that doesn't help them either. No. But instead, it's like, no, this is what the truth says. This is what the scriptures say. And I'm willing to walk with you. Absolutely. Even if you're angry at me, I'll let you be angry at me and I'm not going anywhere Yes, because I love you. Yeah. Nobody does that or very few people do that. Right. Jesus did that really well. He did. Yeah. And I, and I even like, even as I say it, I feel my own failure at not doing that sometimes that I've yeah. erred on one side or the other. I'm like, well, I know I need to speak truth. So I do it. And then I just step back because I know they're mad at me or whatever. Mm. When it's like, I probably just need needed to stand in the fire, knowing Jesus is in the fire with me, yeah, and and walk it out, definitely. Because otherwise, they feel like I abandoned them. Mm. And that even you saying that Jesus is the prime example of that, like that leads me to my final thought as we wrap up our time. I know we're close, but yeah. man, even just the freedom of knowing that, like Paul says here, growing up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Christ being the head, that analogy, again, it's like that freedom of, it's not on my shoulders, actually. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) God, Christ is the one who, first of all, he's in charge, and he's the one, you think about the head, which is where the brain is housed, he's the one with the plan, you know? And I think very oftentimes, as we're walking through our spiritual journey, we can become frustrated at, at, all of the unknowns or like, God, I I hear this calling, but like, I don't see the reason why, or I don't understand how you want me to. And it's like, God sometimes just says, I don't need you to understand. Mm. I don't need you to, to know everything. I just need you to trust me because Christ is the head. He does know he has that plan. Bro, I needed to hear that. Like that was that was a word from the Lord for me. I am not the head. I knew that mm. in in my head. Right, right. <laughs> in my head, I knew I wasn't the head. Yeah. But I think in my heart, it's like I take responsibilities on myself that I don't need to, and take and unconsciously take control mm. and realize, man, I need to release that to the one who is actually the head of the church and trust that he's going to build his church. He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us. That's not on me. Amen. Um, not on us as leaders. We can, tr- we can trust the great shepherd over us smaller mini shepherds. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, Antonio, thank you so much for joining us today uh, on uh, New Hope Underground. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to have you on here again sometime. Yeah. See you soon, right, guys. See ya.